may be seated. Well, you know, last week I told you the story about my jacket. Well, I went to the reunion on Thursday. And Travis, if you would look from the bottom up to the third, there's a picture on the third from the bottom up there in the little lineup. I want you to put that on the screen. That's what I looked like in 1980. The guy that I'm throwing in the picture, uh, his name is James Mitchell. He's the chaplain for the Tennessee Titans of the NFL. We, we wrestled in college, and you notice he and I are close to the same size uh, in that picture. Go to the next picture, if you would, there, Brother Travis. That's more of what he looked like, and I would have looked like that if I hadn't had that jersey on. No, I'm just kidding. I only weighed 98 pounds. And this was what he looks like today. That's he and I today. We look more about the same. And uh, he is, uh, he's a wonderful, godly man, <clears throat> and we had a great time together with all our, a lot of our teammates came back. And, and so I told the guys, I said, look, guys, I had my jacket out. I went in the attic, and I found it. I said, it shrunk. It stayed in the attic too long, and the humidity got to it, and it, it, just, it just got tighter. And do you know, I, and this is the honest truth, every one of them had the same experience. Every one of them. I don't know what kind of jackets those were, there, but they weren't very well made because they shrunk. Everybody shrunk after 40 years. So anyway, but we had a great time. You can go back over to the other now, Travis. Thank you for that. We had a great time of visiting together. I did get an invitation to go speak to the Tennessee Titans this next year. And so I'll be going to Nashville at some point to see my friend Mitch and uh, to speak there for him. But we had a great time. He was a, it's interesting, I asked in the early service, does anybody know where Hickory, Mississippi is? Really? Okay, we had one person in the early service. How about Chunky, Mississippi? Okay, good. So we had to spend about balanced out about three people uh, because Mitch grew up in Hickory with no running water in his home. And he was a, as poor as you could get, and he gave his life to Christ as a young man, and God has done some amazing things with that guy. He was a chaplain for the Knoxville, in Knoxville, Tennessee, for the Tennessee Volunteers for a while, and uh, for the Duke Blue Devils basketball team back in their heyday, and uh, Duke football. And uh, I, I took his phone while we were eating lunch. I said, can I see your phone? He goes, sure. <laughs> and I forgot to tell this in the early service. I started scrolling through his contacts. Oh, my. I'm like, I don't have Archie's number. I don't have Peyton's number. I don't have Eli's number. I don't have any of these guys, you know. He's, he's just very well connected. But God has used him in a mighty way and it was good to visit with all my friends there. Now, take your bulletin. Let me highlight a couple things for you. The, in the middle of that bulletin, there you're going to see something that says Fall Family Festival. That's going to be on November the 3rd, and I'm going to condense this down for you. But what's happening that night, we're going to have a chili cook-off. So you bring a crock pot with chili in it, preferably some that you made. And we'll have some judges that night, and the money that we normally give for that meal, and if you have any extra, the money is going to go for Montana Missions. Lee Merck and his family are now working in Bozeman, Montana. They have a new church plant there, and they are getting that off the ground even today, I think, uh, if, if I'm correct in that. And I see Mama saying yes. So we're going to be helping them in uh, some financial need there. And so you can come that night. But all the information is right there for you. And so there you can see that. Also, tomorrow night is the George Green Baptist Fall Meeting up at West Salem Baptist Church. If you're interested in that, it begins at 6.30. Tuesday night is Finance Meeting and Deacons Meeting. 
And then the calling all ladies. I had to get some clarification on this this morning. It says uh, calling all ladies to join. You're invited to join the ladies of the church for a kick-off coffee. And I asked, does that mean that we're trying to get people off of coffee? And that's what they call it. She said, no, we're just going to have coffee, and that's what we call the meeting. I said, fair enough. So this is for ladies that would like to come uh, next Sunday afternoon from 2 to 3 and uh, in the Fellowship Hall. And our Wednesday night menu this week, uh, Coach Jones is uh, grilling chicken, and we got some slaw and baked beans rolls and desserts so that's all of the big stuff that i had listed coach i know you have one announcement any other announcements before he shares this morning all right coach thank you appreciate your attention just a second this month is past appreciation month uh outside door right here we have two mailboxes uh, one for both our pastors and any way you'd like to show appreciation could be a thank you card could be just a Note of encouragement. It could be, a, of course, Doug, you can tell he likes to eat, so he always takes gift cards of any kind, whatever it is. But we'd like to just take opportunity to show appreciation to our pastors. You know, I'm Sunday school director, and we have both our pastors teach Sunday school classes. If you come here any morning in the week, our church week education, guess what? Both these guys out there helping getting these children in the building. Uh, they go beyond, above and beyond what's called. This last year or so, as far as all the different guidelines, they've worked to help work things out. And i like to say just thank you because they're both personal friends of mine. And they do wonderful for this church. So just take a time, just encourage them, give them a, a note or whichever way you feel comfortable. But this is past appreciation the next few weeks, so find a way to do that. But here again, thank you, Brother Eddie, and thank you, Doug, for all y'all do. Thank you, Coach. Our church fed the football team Friday afternoon, their pregame meal, and I spoke to the team. And you want to guess what we had to eat? Chick-fil-A. Amen. Amen. We had God's birds, so that's why we had to eat. It was good. Had a great time, so thank you as a church for helping us do that. I'm going to get the ushers to come down, and I'm going to pray, and when I finish praying, we're going to start singing, and they're going to run up the aisle with those offering plates. So excited to receive your gifts today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity of worship. Lord, I thank you for the coolness in the air. Lord, what a blessing. What a beautiful day. God, I pray your spirit will speak to our hearts today. Lord, I thank you for everyone that's made an effort to be here. Lord, I thank you for those that have joined us, whether by Facebook or the radio, God. And I pray you'd bless them today for giving of their time to be a part of our service. Lord, we love you. We ask you to be pleased with our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's continue on. He keeps me singing. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all love, life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, 
forget to mention we're going to have choir rehearsal today so if you like to sing come join us at five o'clock today we're going to share a couple more songs i'm going to ask you to stand one more time before the long sermon this morning sing with me please i am resolved no longer to linger charm Jesus, greatest. 
share with you about the Wednesday night, November the 3rd. Um, what we're doing, we're doing, we're having a missional event where we're going to be doing missions in two different ways. Number one, we're going to be taking up an offering for missions in Montana, depending how, how Nancy acts. If Nancy will straighten up, we'll continue this offering. I'll explain that to you later. We are going to do that, Nancy. It's going to be fine. And the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to be intentionally missional in our community. You know, sometimes we have a fall family festival and we just throw out a lot of flyers and we say, come to First Baptist Church. That is not being missional. Being intentionally missional is you praying and saying, God, would you show me somebody that I could invite to come and sit at my table and eat chili with us on that Wednesday night, help me to be intentional about finding someone that I can invite to our church. We're not going to have a big special program, the RAs and GAs. Lee's going to send us a video. We're going to let our RAs and GAs tell us what's going on in Montana. We might even watch that video that night. But other than that, it'll just be another wonderful time of fellowship. The kids will go out on the green and play and be together, but we're going to be intentional 
and missional. It's about reaching our community for Christ. And so you invite somebody, one of your neighbors, somebody that you run into at Walmart, somebody that you know at school, one of your friends at school. That's what we're going to be doing. This morning, I'm going to share with you a passage of scripture in just a minute that I think will be right along the line of what we're talking about, the need for telling other people about Jesus. Some of you might remember that some years ago there was a book that came out and it was entitled Embraced by the Light. It was written by Betty Eady and in it Betty Eady told of her near-death experience and her visit to heaven and the message that she received from God. The book was quickly absorbed by Seekers from all walks of life. Oprah interviewed Betty Eady on her television program. Betty Eady's book was talked about on the television program 2020 and as late as 2017. Kim Kardashian even chose Betty Eady's book for her new book club to be the first book promoted by her book club. And so uh, Eddie, Betty Eady talks about three things, her near-death experience, her visit to heaven, and the message that God gave her when she came back. Unfortunately, Betty Eady's book also denies biblical authority, denies the Trinity, the reality of hell, salvation by faith alone, and suggests that every religion has its own path to God. You don't have to believe in Jesus. And so the question is, did Betty Eady really died. Did she go to heaven and did she come back with a message from God? I really can't answer all those questions. I think you'll have to answer them for yourself. But it just shows you one thing. The devil knows that people are curious about the life beyond. And so he's eager to fill them in with information that doesn't come from the Bible or from Jesus Christ. Since Betty Eady's book came out, there have been other books that you may have read. One of those was written by, a, well, not by, but with the help of others by a little four-year-old boy who went to heaven, and the book is Heaven is for Real. And then there's another book written called 90, by another man called 90 Minutes in Heaven. And there's even a book written by someone called 23 minutes in hell. How much attention should we give to any of these books? Well, I remind you that this kind of curiosity is not new. The world has always been looking for somebody who would come back from heaven or hell with some kind of word for them so that they would be able to believe. Even Jesus tells a similar story, and we're going to look at his story today. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, we're going to look in Luke chapter 16 and read verses 19 through 31. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. Jesus begins telling his story, and he said, Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in fine linen and joyously lived in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus was laid at his gate covered with sores. And longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, 
Even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried in Hades. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things and likewise Lazarus bad things, but now he is being comforted here and you are in agony. Besides all this, between us there is a great chasm fixed so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers in order that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. Now I have several points about this passage of Scripture, and they're going to go quickly. The title of the message is, Send Lazarus, because that was the man's prayer. That was the man's prayer because of his own personal circumstances. But not only so, that was the man's prayer because of his concern for his family. In that place of torment, he decided that it was time for him to be missional and intentional about reaching his family for Christ. I want to tell you, that if we are going to be missional and intentional about reaching Loosedale for Christ, we need to start now and not then. Number one, this story reminds us that death inevitably comes to all people regardless of their rank or station. It will come for me. It will come for you. We see that illustrated in this community on almost a daily basis. If you live in a place long enough, like some of you have lived in this town, you see it happen day after day. Here we have the story of two men. One man, a poor man, who couldn't control his own health situation, covered with stores. Another, a rich man who had everything he needed, whatever he wanted, but when the time for them to, to die came, both of them died. There was no way they could control it. Number two, this story in our Bible, as told by Jesus, tells us that there is a reality beyond death 
that we know very little about. And so, where do we get our information about the life beyond? Should we assume that stories like Betty Eady's give us the information we need or the experience of a little boy who describes what happens, what happened to him, or do we need to be listening to the words and wisdom of Jesus? I would just say this to you, that if the story someone tells you contradict the story that Jesus has told you, the words of the Bible, then you need to decide who you're going to believe. Personally, I choose the words and the wisdom of Jesus over anyone's experience or testimony to remind me that there is a reality beyond death that I know very little about. And what I can know about it, what I'm able to know about it, comes only from God's word. Number three, the life beyond consists of two distinct realities. Now, if this were the only story in the Bible uh, in that regard, the only place in the Bible where Jesus said, there will be one experience for those who follow me and know me and love me and an entirely different experience for those who don't, then, then we would be a little bit confused. But over and over, the Bible tells us that there are two distinct realities. And here we see this man named Lazarus. He had a name. Jesus called him by name in a place of abundance and blessedness and comfort. And the rich man was in a place of torment. They were in two very different realities. One reality for the person who follows Christ, there's a very different reality for the person who doesn't. We won't spend a lot of time at that, spo at that spot. We just have to say that these are the facts as presented by Jesus in this story as he shows us the reality of one man and the reality of the other. Fourth, no amount of prayer by anyone in the life beyond or in the life that is present can change the destination of a person in eternity. Now, I know and you know that there are some who believe that you can, if you pray long enough and you give enough money to the church, some churches believe this, we do not. If you pray long enough and give enough money, you can change the place that someone might be in. Maybe they're in a temporary place of torment and you can move them from one place to the other by your prayers. That is not in the Bible. That is not taught in the Bible. And what Jesus tells us here is that the rich man's experience was a fixed and final experience. There was no passing from one place to the other. So first, he prayed that uh, Abraham would send Lazarus, uh, that he might receive a little mercy. Uh, the dogs gave Lazarus more mercy than the rich man had. And here he's asking that Lazarus come and be merciful to him and dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off his tongue because the state of the rich man at this point was he no longer was living joyously living in splendor 
He was living in torment, in agony, in flame. Uh, Did you know that people pray in the life beyond? We see it here. It's illustrated. Jesus said the, the rich man lifted up his eyes in torment and cried out heavenward for help. His prayer was not answered. But the Bible also tells us at the end of the Bible that in heaven, the souls under the altar, believers already in heaven, cry out to God and say, Lord, how long will it be before you bring it, before you wrap this whole thing up? And the Bible says God responds to them by telling them they need to wait just a little bit longer until his whole plan is finished. You can read that for yourself. In heaven, people pray. In hell, people pray. In hell, prayers are not answered. Not a prayer for mercy. Not a prayer to send anyone to anybody else for help. So the rich man prayed for mercy and received none. He prayed for comfort, but there was no comforter. I'm sure he prayed for a way out, but there was no escape. And then he turned his attention to his family which leads us to the fifth point in this message, that the life beyond is a conscious existence with an active conscience. My wife and I on Saturday night, we don't have cable TV, we watch Antenna TV, and one of our favorite programs to watch now are are the reruns, which are on Antenna TV, of a program that used to be on the History Channel called Alone. And one of the things that's interesting to me about that program is the worst reality that people face when they're alone. It's a survival show when they're being alone. is not fixing their food or starting a fire or building a camp, but it is the whole point of just being alone. That gets them in the end. They don't have anybody to talk to. There's no one to turn to. They begin to to think inwardly about their own lives and about their own mistakes and about their own past and their own future, and it eats them up. Their conscience is active when they're alone. And so hell is a place of being absolutely and utterly alone. What is more alone than being separated from God for all eternity? When all you have to live with is yourself and your own mistakes and your own failures, And the fact that you left five brothers at home who are headed for the same place that you are. His conscience was awakened. It began to burn along with his body. He realized that those brothers were coming to that same dreadful place. And perhaps he realized that they were waiting for the same thing he'd been waiting for all his life. Somebody to come back from the dead with a story that would make him believe. Sixth, no person, this is what Jesus said, no person from beyond the grave will awaken the dead conscience of those who are living. So if you're waiting for Betty Eady's next book, or the little boy who wrote Heaven is for Real, or the story of 90 minutes in heaven or 23 minutes in hell, if you're looking for the next exciting book about the person who died and came back to tell about it, To make you believe, the chances are you won't because that book has already been written. So here you see 
the brother thinking, if you would only send Lazarus to my brothers, they would believe. They remember when Lazarus used to lay at my gate full of sores. They dumped his body in the garbage pile just before my funeral, sending Lazarus back from the dead would open the eyes of my brothers. On one occasion, Jesus was approached by some uh, teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, and this is in the New Living Translation from Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 through 40. And they said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. If you're waiting for a sign, you will probably miss the one God has already given. So as the devil sends out his counterfeits like Betty Edie, he knows that there are a host of people who are waiting for someone like a Lazarus to come back and tell them a story when they're missing the one message that God has sent. So over the next several weeks, you need to be thinking about who is it in Loosedale who needs to hear a warning from you? Who is it in Loosedale who needs you to invite them to your church, to sit on your pew, to sit at your table, to be a part of your Sunday school class? Is there a way for you to be intentional and missional about reaching people for Christ? And the final question we need to ask is, what book do people need that will tell them about heaven and warn them about hell? Well, the only book that will tell people about heaven and warn them about hell is the Bible. And that's the book that they need to be reading. And that's what Jesus was telling. This rich man, or Abraham, in the story Jesus tells, Abraham tells the rich man, he says, look, your brothers already have Moses and the prophets. Well, at the time Jesus tells this story, the only Bible was the Old Testament. They had that. They got Moses and the prophets. They have all there is to, all, all they need to know is right there in the Old Testament. It's all they need to know. Well, now we have Moses and the prophets and the gospels and the epistles and the book of Revelation. Why do you need something else when God has given you every warning, every bit of wisdom, every bit of insight into the glorious wonder of heaven and into the absolute horrors of this place of torment? What are you waiting for? Jesus is telling us, if we won't hear what the Bible has to say, we won't believe even if someone rises from the dead and comes back with a message from heaven or a message from hell, what you need to do is respond to the message that you already have. Have you responded? Will you respond? Let me just take one moment to remind you that we're talking about ultimate realities. Ultimate realities. Matters of life and death. Matters of eternity. Where will you spend eternity? What will happen to you when you die? And you will die. All of us will. 
Where will you go when you die? Will you be with Jesus? Or will you be separated from God utterly alone for all eternity? Those are questions you need to ask. Not only do you need to ask them concerning yourself, but concerning your family. You don't need to wait until eternity to become concerned about your family. You need to be concerned about them now, being intentional and missional in reaching them for Christ. Let's pray. Lord, would you please help us to be the people that you want us to be in terms of evangelism? Would you help us, Lord, to become an evangelistic church concerned about the lost? Would you help us, Lord, to see people come to know Jesus as their Savior, that your joy might be full because you came to seek and save that which was lost. And you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's why these stories are in our Bible. I pray, Lord, for those who've never trusted Jesus as their Savior, who might be sitting in this service today or listening to this service today. I pray that you would speak to their heart. And at this invitation time, I pray that there would be people who would respond to you, inviting you to become the Lord of, of their life, surrendering themselves to be your follower. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you. Coming for you and for me.
Thank you for being here today and making time out of your busy schedule to join us. Hope you have a great afternoon. Hope you get to come back tonight. Thank you again for coming.